0: everyone, my name is Maggie Rose and not only am I the co-founder and president of Reborn, but I'm your host today of Reborn Social. Thanks for joining us. So this week is a very special week. Not only was Mother's Day this past Sunday, but it's also Women's Health Week. In honor of all of you incredible women out there, we wanted to hold a special podcast just for you. Today's podcast is focused not only on women, women's health, and women and their mental health, but we wanted to specifically talk about women during the coronavirus. So today, we're going to be introducing a segment that some of you may be familiar with if you tuned into our panel on Sunday. Not only do we have incredible speakers from our own team like McKenna and Nicole, but we have the incredible Wendy Sefsik. She's from Remembering TJ. Her story will really inspire and change your life. I cannot tell you enough, Wendy, how incredible, courageous, brave, and inspiring you are. And I hope that all of you women listening hear that in the words that she shares today. This segment we're calling Enduring an Invisible War, Being a Woman During COVID-19.
1: So our Mother's Day panel um, is called Enduring an Invisible War, Being a Woman During COVID-19. We have some truly incredible women with us today, and I'm so excited for all the knowledge that they bring to the table. Thank you so much again, ladies, for being with here with us today. So to start, we have Maggie Rose. She is our president of Reborn, a nonprofit that focuses on suicide prevention. So Maggie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you, McKenna, for having me on and to everybody who is on with us today, not only just joining us, but speaking alongside of all of us. Um, And happy Mother's Day to any of the mothers out there. Um, So my name is Maggie Rose, as McKenna just mentioned, and I am the co-founder and president of Reborn. We're a mental health organization that's focused on suicide prevention over in Highbridge, New Jersey. Uh, We are focused on teens and young adults. And I'm really happy to be a part of this conversation today, um, not just because, um, you know, we are the creators of the event and we're doing this event to for you guys who are watching, but also to really help anybody who is looking for help right now or looking for advice or just looking to hear other people talk or have questions answered. Um, I know for me personally a lot of the things that are happening right now and a lot of the changes really hit me more recently. And I know that sounds very late to a lot of people, but when it hit me, it hit me because I used to go into New York City all the time. I miss the city. I miss seeing everybody. I miss my team so much. I could cry. Mm -hmm. I, um, I miss being able to really be on the battleground and and be able to talk to people and be in front of people and work with people. And it's been very uh, difficult feeling distanced or feeling uh, trapped a little bit. Um, so I hope that for anybody who's feeling that way as well, you know that you're not alone. And through this panel discussion today, I hope that we bring you some hope.
1: Thanks, Maggie. No, I definitely agree with that. And one of our other panelists, her name is Wendy Lee Faxel, and she is the founding um, member and president of Remembering TJ in memory of her son. She's also a board member of the AFSP, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. So welcome, Wendy. Happy Mother's Day. And Can you tell us a little more about yourself?
2: Yes, thank you. Um, I am the very grateful mother of three Beautiful boys, um, no longer children. I have um, my older son is 27, living out in Arizona, living his life. My middle son, TJ, is forever 16. I lost him to suicide nine years ago. And my youngest son just turned 23 this week. And I'm grateful that he's stuck home (laughs) quarantining with his father and I. He's in grad school pursuing um, his uh, LPC to be a licensed professional counselor. Uh, As you mentioned, I'm the founder with my husband and my son of Remembering TJ, a story of teen depression lessons and hope. We lost our son nine years ago to suicide. And we have learned so much in these past years, and we have become very, very strong mental health advocates because we do honestly believe that we need to pay more attention to our mental health, which is even more important during this time um, of self-quarantining. And and Maggie, that you 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 shared some of the things you're struggling with. One of the things I've really been doing is Um, and I've done this since I I lost my son, is to really shift my perspective, um, not to what I don't have, what I can't do, but to shift the perspective to one of gratitude. Because even in the worst of situations, even in the wake of losing my son, there's always something that we can find to be grateful for. And it is a practice and it is hard work, but it's something that I hope to share with all of you today, something that you can take away, that you can shift your perspective And we can all get through this together.
1: Thank you, Wendy. And I am super excited to hear more about that. And last but not least, we have the wonderful Nicole Barbella. She also works for
3: Reborn. Nicole, happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Can you tell tell us a little more about yourself? Sure. Um, I started with Reborn um, in January in outreach and um, recently became a manager, thanks to Maggie. Um, I'm actually a mother. I have a nine-year-old son. So this is, you know, personal for me, too. Um, And I just want to say thank you to Wendy as well. And you're an incredible person for doing this and being up here with us. Um, I just the strength is incredible coming from you.
1: You all are incredible women. And I am not a mother myself, but I have had many mothers in my lifetime and I cannot thank them enough for what they do. I give you ladies so much credit, and you bring a lot to the table. And thank you. So with that, let's move on to our panel. So COVID nineteen, what we're doing, what we're dealing with right now, is a um, viral infection. There's really no cure for. There's supposed to be a vaccine coming end of next year, actually, which is really scary. But because of this um, disease. There's no cure, and that has led us to social distancing, quarantining, and that's led us to kind of adapt a little bit, and that's led to big changes, both mentally and physically, which we'll get into later. But unfortunately, a lot of people have focused on the physical changes, the changes in the environment, the changes in their everyday lifestyle. Not a lot of people focus on the mental. You know, they that have taken on their mental health and their mental lifestyle. They don't focus on that. So- Recently, a few weeks ago, Dr. Lorna M. Breen, she was the medical director at New York Presbyterian Hospital in New York City. She was the medical director of the emergency room. She recently passed away by suicide. And that really kind of sparked the idea for this event. Me and Maggie sat down and talked because she was a woman and she was on the front lines of COVID. And you know, we are so grateful for our center workers and our nurses. And when you're on the front battle, it's really difficult because you're supposed to care for these people, but who's minding your mind, you know? So that's what this is all about. You know, we're going to try to bring resources in because we not only want to focus on how we can kind of adapt, but you know, how we can take that mindset and like you said, be Be grateful. Take that mindset and adapt to it and fix it and like grow from it. So with that, let's get into our first point. So support systems during COVID-19. So what are some different types of support systems that you would um, kind of refer to people? So Maggie, if you were kind of, if somebody was struggling and they came to you, like previously what support system would you recommend before COVID and then how would you recommend it now?
0: So that's a great question. Um, So it's very different, Um, you know, unfortunately because of the coronavirus and the effects of it, we are uh, as a society now and as a community, we're really all virtual mm-hmm. and we're at home um, and it's really difficult. Uh, we're seeing, uh, you mentioned a couple uh, statistics and a couple um reference, references, excuse me, for the increase of uh, mental health and mental illness during this time and the struggles that come along with that. Uh, I know that the CDC just put out a, a statistic not too long ago. I believe it was a couple weeks ago um, that since February, since the end of February, when this first really began uh, to become such a crisis, um, for us specifically, uh, there's been a 19% increase uh, in anxiety and depression And that's across all different ages. That's not just one age group. Now, for us as an organization, we really do focus on teens and young adults, um, but we're surrounded by people who are all ages. So we're aware of that. We keep that in mind and we also experience that. Um, You know, today being Mother's Day with this particular event, we wanted to have not only mothers involved in this, but also daughters or simply women, Um, you know, uh, maybe you unfortunately um don't have your mother around anymore or you're not a daughter either way we wanted you involved in this because we all struggle and we all go through things now before the coronavirus as an organization we have several programs and programs that were actually also being put into place some of them that we were about to launch this month in may that unfortunately we can't um and we're having to postpone that um until further notice but One is our four-step program and that was something that we were really growing tremendously. And it really would be our first step if somebody came to us and said, I really need help right now, I really need to talk to somebody, Um, or maybe they have had a past with mental illness or their own mental health, maybe they were on medication or they've seen somebody but they wanna switch, maybe they're not on their medication anymore, they wanna go back on. If somebody came to us with any of those, we would have suggested, either enrollment into our four-step program, or we would have suggested um, a referral to any of the sources that are in our four-step program, which our four-step program consists of a peer counselor, a therapist, a life coach, uh, and a monthly support group. Mm -hmm. We had monthly support groups, which we also would have referred to everybody who came our way because support groups are just so important. You know, you're talking about support systems right now. Support groups are very important. I think that a lot of people find them intimidating at first. I know I do. Listen, okay. I'm right there with you. Uh, you know, I understand what that feels like to say, oh my goodness, am I going to walk into this big room, tiny circle in the middle, and everybody's staring at me? That's uncomfortable. Ours are very open, they're very community based, um, get to know one another build those friendships, build those relationships because we wanna help build a support system for you. Something that I always love to tell people about is the text line, there is a crisis text line. Um, if you are the type of person who does not want to get on the phone and talk to somebody, uh, you maybe feel uncomfortable, intimidated, whatever it might be, there are other options. You can text HOME to 741741. If you're a mom, for example, you can call mom to mom at one 914 mom 2 or you can call the family helpline at 1-800-THE-KIDS.
1: And Wendy, this one's for you because you are the mother queen of all resources. What are some online resources awesome that you would recommend for those seeking support?
2: Well, as um, you know Maggie already mentioned the crisis text line is is wonderful and then there is also the suicide prevention helpline which would be uh, phone rather than text. And there are also warm lines for adults. So we have caring contact is one example here in New Jersey that we have and they have trained listeners people that can just validate and allow you to process. There's a lot of research. Sometimes our own minds are our own worst enemy. And if we can process that by speaking out to somebody objectively and having someone validate our feelings, it can really, really help. Um, so those are a, a couple of really good resources we have through the New Jersey Children and Families. There's a whole list of resources that I know we will be sharing with you. Some of them are going across the line, you know, underneath, but we can share the link with you. So there's quite a few, um, and you can even just Google hotlines and helplines, and you will come up, you know, with with a lot of different ones. So there's a lot of resources, but I think we also want to come back to the greatest resource we all have is ourselves. And what COVID has done is it's giving us an opportunity, right? There's gifts in everything. And one of those opportunities is to really explore our own inner strength. And I believe we all have so much more strength than we realize. And I say that as a mom who lost her son to suicide. People often would say to me, I don't know how you do it. If it was me, I know I couldn't I couldn't take another step. I couldn't survive it. And of course, I always say to people, look, if somebody had said to me before I lost my son, do you think that you could survive losing one of your children in any way? I would have been one of those people to say, absolutely not. But guess what? If you dig really deep, we have so much strength within us. And this time is an opportunity for us to really dig deep and to really see ourselves as our greatest resource. And once we work on ourselves, we can be a gift to others, everyone around us, either virtually or those that are within our own homes. And that's what's important here is we can't control COVID. We cannot control the virus, but we can control how we respond to it. We can take actions that will keep us and our families safer. There's no guarantees in life, but, We can do things to keep us safer because living in a place of fear is only going to feed that negative energy that we're putting out. And I think we want to do everything we can to build ourselves up as a resource to be that person that people can come to for calm and peace and to build up the strength that we all exhibit.
1: So I'm wondering, have you noticed throughout quarantine if there were any mental changes? You know, were you making any progress i don't know if you struggle with anything but you know maybe mentally you know you are feeling a bit stronger you're a bit more encouraged and then this happens and you know you're like ah and like maggie said there was a statistic where there's more anxiety and depression up during covid because you're stuck in the house you don't know what to do so i was i'm just wondering i'm just curious um what are your personal thoughts on that especially regarding your own mental health do you think that quarantine and COVID
2: has brought some setbacks um, to that? Well, I think, it's, I think it's a combination. Number one, when we talk about mental health, it's important to remember we all have mental health, right? Some of us have mental health challenges and struggles, and that's a spectrum. But mental health is part of everybody, good, bad, and it, and it changes. It's fluid. Everybody's mental health changes on any given day, on any given moment. And it's important to remember that and to, to reflect on what, what's going on every single day. And when we talk about these defining moments, I try to think of every day. Every moment is a defining moment. We can't go back. We can't, we can look to the future, but we really don't know what the future is going to hold. All we really have is this day, this moment. So, you can define yourself, you can redefine yourself every single moment. We can't change what happened in the past. And I really, um, you could probably see this thread of, of a yogi within me because mm-hmm. yoga is something that I found after I lost my son Tite. And I will tell you that it saved me. Um, it's, a, it's not only a physical practice, but I have a very strong physical practice, but it is this mental practice. And it's about bringing your mind back to the present moment to where we are right now. And I think that's something that I have really continued to work on during COVID and where I am right now, what I can do with this moment, who do I wanna be, what do I wanna take with me post COVID of things that we've learned. And I do think while we are going to see um, the suicide rates rise, post-COVID, and we are going to see greater rates and are already seeing greater rates of people struggling with depression and anxiety. I don't think that has to be the story. That doesn't have to be the script. Mm -hmm. I think what we need to do is we need people to understand that they can still connect. Um, There's going to be challenges post-COVID. The economy is what just what's happened there, it's gonna it's hurting it's gonna hurt people and we are gonna see rates go up. But what we can do is we can challenge that. One of the things we've seen with youth, I know Reborn does a lot of work with youth, is in New Jersey, we were off to a really bad start the first two months of New Jersey. Yeah. We had a very, very high number of youth suicides. And now during the epidemic, the, the pandemic, the kids have been home we have not that we haven't lost any youth, unfortunately, but really the rate of losing kids has certainly gone way, way down. And one of the reasons is the gift, right? We're here, we're home, our kids are connected, we're back with family. We've been talking to a lot of kids virtually, of course, and what we're hearing from them is, well, I have downtime for the first time in my life. My life is always about go, 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 one activity to another. The schoolwork while virtual, it's the the pressures of it have gone way down. Um, Kids have had time to just be. Kids have had time to read books for fun and make connections with family members that maybe they didn't. People are eating around the dinner table together and something that hasn't been done in a long time. So I think these are all things that will really boost the mental health of, of us if we can keep some of those positives moving forward, we maybe won't have to see the rates of depression and anxiety. And it is about that work of how can each of us put that energy of peace and calm out into a world that's so scary right now. And we can all do that by Doing it starting with ourselves and figuring out that whole control piece. A lot I can't control, but I can control how I'm going to react to this. And I'm not going to react from a place of fear. I'm going to react from a place Mm -hmm. of peace and love. And that's what I'm going to put out. And that's what we can do and how we can keep those rates from escalating.
1: So what are some different coping mechanisms that you would recommend? And Nicole, I know that you um, talked about your son, how he was feeling really anxious you know know. what mechanisms that you use for not only yourself but for him when he's kind of in that anxious mindset and kind of restless
3: so um uh, a big thing for my son and i uh is we like to go hiking and obviously right now we can't do that uh so we've just been getting outside and you know he's got to do the virtual school every day and he's a very active and excited kid so in the mornings um, we go out for walks. We go out and we go for walks. We sit on the grass. We feel the grass. You know, we feel grounded. Um, another thing he likes to do, um, and actually he's gotten me into it, is playing with that kinetic sand. Oh, my it God. God. Him, it, it calms him, and it's just, it's it soothes him, and I realize that it helps, <laughs> you know. Um, we, we try to meditate um, a couple times a week um to get his mind focused i mean meditation yoga is fantastic mm-hmm. um he can get a little silly during yoga but <laughs> meditation he likes um so
2: we all take ourselves much too seriously and, right. and you know uh, we really try to encourage just be yourself and i think you know for a kid they should be silly in yoga you know <laughs> it, it's kind of funny you're making really weird and funny positions <laughs> So a lot of it is when getting silly, that means that energy, like the way you describe your son, he has to get that energy out. Yeah. So, it's perfectly appropriate to be silly and to laugh at yourself. It's a, That's a great coping mechanism. A walking meditation is wonderful. All that means is as you're walking, maybe notice, especially in spring, it's a time of rebirth, right? It's reborn. It's a great yeah. time. You can just take note of the buds on the trees, everything that's starting to green. My husband and I went for a great hike yesterday and we could see everything starting to sprout up. So, you know, mother earth doesn't know that we're in the middle of a pandemic there that that work is still happening so you can do a walking meditation anything that just brings you back to the moment and everything that you're seeing is great but i think anything like that is is truly great self-care and on mother's day i i don't know if this is going to come up later in the question so i just wanted to focus on this a lot of us feel equate self-care with selfishness And I struggled with this for many years. I was I'm a mom. I have to do for others. So if I take time out for myself, that's being selfish. I need to do something. And something that I have learned, and I'm much older than all of you, it took me a long time to get here, but I realize that I need I do need to take care of myself in order to take care of others. And if I want to be in that place of peace and give that gift to others, I need to find it in myself. I need to love myself before I can give that love out to others. And it took me a long time to get there because I did always equate self-care with selfishness. And so I encourage you all to take time to do something for yourself. Grab those moments. One of my favorites is I get up before everybody else and I just have my cup of coffee early, if I have mm-hmm. to no matter how early, that I'm just by myself. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is self-care. That's something I can do for myself. And I really encourage any kind of physical activity it doesn't have to be yoga but it's one of the greatest gifts that we can give to ourselves is to be physical we need that our our physical health and mental health are connected and in order to take care of our mental health we need to exert energy we need to get some of that negative stuff out and that's any kind of any kind of physical activity and especially if you can be out in nature in any way that's really important
1: And thank you, ladies, for sharing your tips for self-care, for stability, for grounding. So I want to bring us to um, one of our last talking point. This is a Mother's Day panel. Um, For those who have joined us, um, this is kind of guiding us through being a woman and mental health during um, the crisis of coronavirus. So let's talk about the effects on women specifically during the coronavirus, especially our mental health. Women are treated very differently than men. It's a known fact. And, you know, I've done some research. Maggie has sent me some reports. And, you know, we've kind of seen that quarantine affects women differently than it does men. Um, There's a higher risk for mental health concerns and there is a higher risk for violence. Now, my question is, what factors do you think contribute to that? And, you know, what are the resources that we can kind of take away from that like how can we help that and why is it it's more prominent now during coronavirus than ever
3: so i think that um one of the things you had just said was about uh, violence and things being more difficult now for women and i think because everybody is home there's less up and out less there's a lesser way for people to get out of a violent situation. Uh, something really cool that I actually saw um, on Facebook, somebody posted actually, was that if anybody um, was going through something, uh, a domestic uh, situation, to message her um, about buying something off of the uh, marketplace, mm-hmm. uh, and she would know that that meant that, she, that this person needed help. Um, so I think that that's something incredible um, that we can do to help people in that situation. Um, is everybody. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess a lot of people can feel trapped right now. I uh, see.
1: And I do think that there is kind of added stress on women these days. Um, yeah. well, you, know, you, you can rule a teacher to your son. And yeah. you know, a lot of women are kind of home, you know, everyone's home. I mean, my mom's home. Um, my dad is an employee, but my mom works at Rutgers University. So she's working from home. Um, but, you know, women with young children, they take on the role of a teacher because that was, you know, typically women take on the role of a teacher in society. And, you know, that is the unseen and the unpaid care of the family. And a lot of the times they don't get credit. Like they're doing overload work. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. You know, how the taking on the extra kind of roles and work, how you think that affects women and what like, they can
2: do to help themselves. I think what we, we have to do is we have to know what, what we can take on, what we should take on, and know it's okay to ask for help. Um, know that it's okay if something, you know, the housework doesn't get done um, because we're helping our kids. We need to, again, go back to that self-care, giving ourselves permission um, to to do what we need. Nicole, you were talking truly crisis situations. I think that's important to understand that um, we're all dealing with very different things. This can be a very dangerous time. A lot of people were upset that the schools weren't closed quick enough. Um, there wasn't this understanding that for some kids, school was a safe place. Mm-hmm. So they were getting food and they were getting their meals. Home is their safe place. So we we have to understand that every situation in every house is very different. But for those of us not in those, you know, very violent and dangerous situations, it could still be really hard because we as women take on a lot. And we have to really keep revisiting and giving ourselves permission that we can take on whatever roles we can. But as far as I, even the school with our kids, know that there's gonna be a lot of learning going on in this period, and it may not be school academics. The schools are aware of that. There's that understanding. We have to give ourselves permission to take a step back and know that every school assignment isn't that critical. Um, the whole learning, a lot to learn. And I, I think that's one of the things that we have to understand is, Everything has changed. We've been talking about that, and one of the things is how kids learn, and what's happening on on the education front. So we have to give our permission, self permission, not to be a teacher in every single subject, and to understand what. But what can we teach our kids? Um, and that's our own strengths. And and also we have to. I mean, I'm the mother of three boys and a husband, um, so I'm surrounded by men in the house, and. I have to say that a lot of times stuff I bring on myself because I don't ask them for help. And I think we have to do that. We have to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think a lot of times in today's society, men are really vilified, and I, I can't feel that way because I have sons and I know they're good and I know they're kind and I know they're sensitive. Um, they're not the villains here. My husband is an amazing man. Um, That doesn't mean a lot of horrific things haven't happened to a lot of women, but I think what we need to do is we just all have to lean on each other and women have to learn to do a better job of asking for help and letting people help us. We also tend to be control freaks. A lot of times, no one can do it as good as I can do it, right? Nicole, you're a younger younger mom, right? A lot of times my husband would want to help me when my kids were little, but it had to be done the way I wanted it done. That was the right way. So we have to give up a little of that too. Um, Let people help us. I think that's one of the best things that we can do.
1: I do agree with that. And um, studies have shown that, um, women are more kind of vulnerable to having mental illnesses such as depression and anxiety. And even though there are more men that commit suicide, women are, in statistics, women have more depression and anxiety related with mental illnesses. And like Maggie said earlier, the statistics of depression and anxiety are going up during COVID. And women are taking on all these new roles. We're, we're doing so much that we haven't done before. And there's a lot of factors, like you said, Wendy. um, um, You know, you are sometimes afraid to ask for help. Like Nicole said, there are outlets. You know, if you were in a toxic relationship as a woman, sometimes work was your outlet and you can't go there anymore. So Maggie, what would be your advice to a woman in a situation trying to kind of handle her mental health and, you know, kind of balancing during COVID?
0: So it it kind of goes back to some of the things that we were talking about, you know, going back to the fact that um, there are resources out there that you can go to. If you need to talk to somebody, you can talk to somebody on the phone. There are lots of resources. There's two resources down on the screen. There's resources we're going to post. And also the text line, I keep going back to that text line, just because if you are a mother and you are at home right now, surrounded by people, you probably don't have the ability to make that phone call and talk to somebody, but you can text somebody Uh, and you can text home to 741-741 and talk to a professional immediately. So I definitely recommend doing that structure is a big one. We talked about that earlier, having structure in your life. And that's going to be difficult right now. You know, um, Even Nicole, you mentioned earlier, uh, working with your son and schoolwork and trying to make sure that he stays grounded during this time, Uh, making sure that your priorities uh, are in the right order. Sometimes I like to just do a checkup on my priorities weekly, daily, when I have that cup of coffee in the morning, just being able to say, all right, what do I have to do today? Where are my priorities? And how can I get these things done? And how can I help the people around me? Uh, We actually, as an organization, are moving all of our certifications online. And that's something that I think uh, some of you might find interesting. Uh, We wanted to do that mainly because there's a lot of people who are at home right now who have who are surrounded by people who are um, having their own hurdles that they're trying to jump over with their own mental health or might also have underlying mental illness or mental illness that you know they, they're they're familiar with but it's being triggered right now or pushed at this time um, so for those who might want to learn a little bit more and might want to feel uh, more of a sense of that knowledge and education on how to help the people around them we do have our of certifications. We are launching those online. We're going to be putting out information for that this coming week. Um, So stay tuned for that. They're really incredible. And they also do teach self-care in those certifications. We specifically teach self-care and best practices, proven measures to help those around you. But the self-care I want to focus on, because that's really important during this time. McKenna, you mentioned that in the middle of your day, you like to take some time to focus on self-care um, you know, even if it's early, early in the morning, or maybe even if it's waking up earlier, just a little bit, just 30 minutes earlier to have that time to ground yourself, to go into your day strong. I would encourage you to do that.
1: Thanks, Maggie. And I'm going to move us on to our next point before we open up, um, to the question to answer from the audience. So, um, there are effects on women specifically. We've mentioned that there's higher risk for mental health concerns, there are higher risks for violence, um, higher risk for stress. But let's talk about women make up 60% of the global healthcare sector. And women's reproductive health is important. And women's reproductive health is not only um, abortions, it is also contraceptives, it is also checkups. It is necessary, especially during this time, because women need to be checked on. Our reproductive health is something that is important. You know, people kind of see it as this way where it's like, oh, you know, they're fine. But it is something that's important, especially during this time. But there are so many states, like for Texas, I think it's Texas, Ohio, and another one where they're trying to like make it non-essential. I know personally, I have a friend, she called a gynecologist. It's non-essential, especially in New Jersey. And my question is, why are there things like liquor stores that are essential, but gynecologists, doctors are not? So I just love to know your thoughts on women's reproductive healthcare not being essential and things that maybe aren't essential That are deemed essential,
2: and kind of what you think about that. Well, I I mean, I can jump in on this. You know, I think this is this would be one of the an example of one of those things that it could be a very divisive issue women's uh, you know, health issues are critically important. And I think it's something should hopefully most people and many people we know are not, but if you have a connection with your doctor that you talk um, you know, with your doctor about that, if, if you have any concerns, anything that you need to be taken care of. I think in the early days of the pandemic, there was just so much unknown. Um, and there was a lot of fear but I think our our medical professionals now as some time has passed and we're in day 56 many more of these um, are, are reopening up to us these services are reopening up to us and you just because it was this way last week doesn't mean it is this way so you you need to continue making. Connections with your doctors. Um, again, the emergency rooms are still open to everyone, maybe in different ways. It may look different, your different hospitals, but if anyone is ever concerned, they should take themselves to an emergency room if something like that is going on. And I think in many cases, it's not only that the essential, you know, what's seen as essential is being closed to them. But it's kind of like what you said, even with mental health issues, people may be having an issue, but they don't want to go to the doctor. They don't want to go to the emergency room because they're afraid for themselves. So Mm -hmm. I think it goes both ways. While some of these um, services may not be deemed essential and are not seeing women, we also have to know that we we have to make those calls. We have to find somebody who will see us. Um, and inevitably, uh, depend unless you're really living someone that's really rural and there are not any resources around, you can get the help that you need. And you just sometimes we have to be our own strongest advocates, and we have to work a little bit harder to find those resources. Something going back to um, other things we can do for self care. You know, go into that woman network, right? We are strong, we are powerful. There's nothing stronger than supporting our sisters, right? We have to support each other. Talk to other women and, and about what you're going through. And if you do need some kind of medical care, but right? you have to push for it. You might have to fight for it and advocate for it, but it's important. Also know that you have a voice. If you see an essential, you deem as an essential service and it's not, get in touch with your politicians. Contact your Congress people, contact your senators, contact your, your, your local assembly people and state senators. Let them know that you have a voice and this is something that's important, it's not happening for you. It's advocacy is something that's very important, often gets overlooked and ignored, but we do have a voice. Our politicians want to and need to hear from us and this might be one of those issues that they need to hear us speak a little bit louder. Thank you, Wendy. That's great insight. Nicole, I'd love to hear your
3: opinion on this topic. Oh, I 100% agree <laughs> with Wendy. Um, I think you have to be proactive. Um, it's very easy to just get pushed under the rug nowadays and being your own advocate and being strong and, and looking for what you need, no matter which way it is. Like Wendy had said online, looking for resources and and talking to people to your uh, friends and family, women, and just trying to figure out, you know, the best way to get that help for yourself. Thank you. And Maggie, what do you think about this?
0: So I'm going to tell you exactly what's going through my mind right now. What just went through my head is, wow, I feel so empowered just being on this phone call, just being on Mm -hmm. this video call. You know, we are... Uh, surrounded by each other on this video call, even though that we're not there in person, I still feel connected to all of you. And the same goes for all the women out there who might be watching or might watch this later. Um, You know, we are here for you. We want to be a community for you. And we are a community already amongst each other. Um, I would say that something that I'm focusing on in in some of the things that you said, Wendy, um, and some of the things that you reiterated, uh, uh, Nicole, is being your own advocate. How powerful is that? Being your own advocate. And you can do that. You can be your own advocate. And I think during this time, it's important to do that. It's important to stand up for yourself and to stand up for things that you believe are right. Um, I do agree with you, Wendy, that um, you know it kind of depends on your community that you're in. Find who's around you, find what's going on around you. And if, there are things that you don't agree with or so things that are not happening that you think should be happening. Contact your local congressmen and senators for sure. Um, their information is online. Um, so definitely, you know, go to the interweb, uh, go online and find the information. And if you guys ever need help with that, come to us. We can help mm-hmm. find that information um, and we will send it your way happily. So um, I, I love that. Be your own advocate. You know, women, women. Uh, we have to stick together, and that sounds kind of, I guess, cliche maybe, but mm-hmm. I know for myself, I have always found some sort of peace and safety in that, um, and I hope that for anybody out there who is feeling maybe a little yeah. distance, maybe a little detached, we're here for you. I might not know you, but I am here for you, and um, I think uh, all of us need to keep that mentality.
1: And... Um, I think that brings a great point. Um, That kind of sums it all up. I mean, you know, that brings us back to support systems. It's all virtual now. You can talk to somebody who's across the globe and you know, you can bear it all. And especially at Reborn, you know, you have these resources. People are reaching out to you. You have so many resources and that's why we're having this panel today. We hope that this panel is informative and we hope that it is helpful and it is now 1220. So we are going to open up the last kind of few minutes, um, by few minutes, I mean, <laughs> until one o'clock. We're going to open it up to um, the audience for a live Q&A. All right. So this one's from Ashley. How do you think stigmatizing mental health affects those who have an illness? How can we work towards breaking the stigma behind
2: mental illnesses? Thoughts on this one, ladies? The best thing you could do is talk about it. Um, Let people know that we all have mental health. And just like I said earlier, and the more that you talk about it and not in a way that is fearful or that there's something wrong with you, that's the best thing you can do. I, I will say that I honestly believe that we have done really a great job over the past few years of really doing a lot at breaking down the stigma. Many communities within the state of New Jersey are now stigma-free, so they have entire communities behind that message. But we all, that's something that we can all do each and every day. If you have a loved one who struggles with a mental illness, um, be supportive. Don't be ashamed of them. Let them talk about it, give them a safe space. Don't treat them like there's something wrong with them. And that's the best thing that we can all do is to is to talk about it, to share. If you have somebody that struggles with their permission, um, share it with other people. Yes, my sister struggles, my mother struggles, my husband struggles, I struggle. Don't be afraid to talk about it. That's the best thing that we can do to reduce the stigma. The stigma comes because we perpetuate it. And I know, I think, Ashley, also, there was a question that you had before a little bit earlier, I just want to make sure it didn't get missed um, about if you're living with somebody who has mental illness, how can you be mindful and supportive? I think that's how you can be um, my, just by being mindful and supportive, understanding you will not fix it for that person. But if you just give them a safe place to be what they need to be, That can go a long way. Let them know that while you may not understand what they're dealing with and feeling that you're there to listen to them, Um, one of the most powerful gifts that we can give to people is to just listen to them, not try to fix them, not give them advice, but just to hear what they have to say and validate, I'm sorry that you feel that way. I wish there was more that I could do. If there is something I can do to support you and help you, let me know what that is rather than telling them, well, you should do this, you should be breathing, you should be doing yoga, you should be taking walks, you should be eating different. Rather than giving them advice, listen to them what they need and how you can. All
1: right, thank you ladies so much. So I would just like to thank you ladies for an amazing panel, you guys had so much to share. And once again, happy Mother's Day. And I am very grateful to have this opportunity, to have this time to hear so much about our mental health and just being a woman kind of guiding through this crazy process that we're dealing with right now. And um, I wanna thank you all for spending the time with us here today. I wanna thank our viewers for taking the time out of your day to sit here and chat with us. And I would like to thank Reborn for hosting this and for providing, providing a lot of resources. I would like to wish everybody a happy Mother's Day. And with that, have a great day, and we'll see you for our next panel. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.
0: If you would like us to answer any questions on our podcast regarding mental health, please send them to us at podcasting at reborn.social. If you would like us to answer any questions you have regarding mental health, We'll read them on the show. New episodes release every Friday morning to start your weekend right with Reborn Social. Follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoy the show, make sure to leave a rating and review and tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter at reborn underscore social and Instagram at reborn.social for more content. See you guys next week. Bye.